Hello everyone, this is Dr. Bruce Becker and I'm here today with Pastor Mike Novotny uh, who is the lead speaker of Time of Grace uh, Ministry. Uh, we're getting together for our monthly chat about what's coming up on Time of Grace. Pastor Mike, you've got a, got a new four-week message series uh, for March. Starts this Sunday. It's about forgiveness. But the title is Forgiveness is Offensive. What do you mean, forgiveness is offensive? <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever tried to forgive someone, Bruce? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I think offensive is the right adjective to talk about how our hearts feel of, about forgiveness. Like it's not natural. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. Um, we tend to think, you know, certain people should be forgiven for certain things. But then when sin happens to us, it, it feels so offensive to have to let it go, to love, to not get revenge, to not pay someone back, to not hurt them like they hurt me. Like to take all of that pain and not give some someone what they deserve feels very offensive to our hearts. So it shocks, it stuns. Uh, I, I think offensive is the right adjective to describe the biblical teaching on forgiveness. So it's not the act of forgiving somebody that's offensive. It's that when I do forgive somebody, it's offensive to me. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, actually both and. Now that you say that, I, I think, you know, if I'm playing on a soccer, in a soccer game this week and a guy from the other team just jacks me up and instead of getting him back, I'm I'm nice to him for the rest of the game. My teammates are going to be offended. Like what? Why would you? Why would you be nice to that guy? Why would you stand up for that guy? Um, why would you be selfless with that guy? He doesn't deserve it. So they'd be offended by this biblical idea of not getting payback. Got it. Got it. In your message uh, series, you talk about an illustration of somebody throwing a stone at you and hitting you with that stone. So help me understand, how does that relate to forgiveness? Yeah, kind of the whole series is built off this idea that um, that forgiveness, I, I describe it as leaving the stone alone. Um, so I, I picture a stone as like a sin. Someone says something about you, someone says something to you, someone doesn't love you like they should, someone you know does something that's very hurtful and like doof, like a, a stone it hits you in the chest it bruises it cuts it makes you bleed and then the stone you know after it hits you it falls right there at your feet so it's really easy to pick that up and to throw it back so i kind of describe forgiveness is you know not saying well it's not a big deal it didn't hurt whatever no it's bad it's left me bruised it's left its mark Yet, by the love of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm trying not to give someone what they first gave to me. Um, makes me think when I was an intern, oh, half a lifetime ago, I was, uh, <laughs> I was with this pastor who was kind of teaching me how to be a pastor. And his preschool-age son was in the, the back seat. And I'm sitting shotgun and we're driving down the road. And the kid was just being goofy. And he kind of said something, you know, maybe a little bit over the line, a little bit offensive to me. And the pastor kind of wheels his head around. He says, son, he said, you know, what do you say to Mike? And he says, well, I'm, I'm sorry. And I kind of looked back at him and smiled and I said, it's okay. And the pastor whips his head around at his son a second time and he says, now what do you want to say to Mike? 
And the little kid says to me, he's like three years old. He says, Mike, it's not okay. It was sinful. <laughs> and the pastor looks back at his son for a third time. He says, and what should Mike have said? And the little kid says, you should have said, I forgive you. <laughs> so, so, not only, so not only is your supervising pastor uh, teaching you, but his, uh, his son is yeah, as and well. It, you know, that stuck with me 20 years later. It stuck with me because he, he was trying to say that forgiveness is always connected to something that's not okay. So it's not saying, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. I forgive you. Just like a stone that thumps you in the chest, it hurts. It was bad. It was evil. God hated it. And that's not okay with God. It's not okay with me. But I'm choosing to forgive because Jesus has first extended forgiveness to me. Thanks for that uh, explanation. You know, last month uh, in our book that we co-wrote, Out of Context, uh, one of the phrases that I had written about was the phrase, forgive and forget which is often taken out of context. But connected with that, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's not a that's not just a dry question to me right now. Um so I can't say too much about the details, but in our church are some people I dearly love and there's a case of adultery. And, you know, thinking of what it looks like, number one, to forgive. And then number two, what reconciliation is and if the two are the same thing. You know, so someone you thought you could trust deeply betrayed you through not just a pebble, but like a boulder that just, you know, crushed you and, and left you reeling. Um, I think the Bible commands that person, even in situations like that, to forgive. Like, no payback. You can't trash talk. You can't mess up his marriage. You know, like God is calling us to love people who don't deserve it, to not pick up that stone and throw it back. But I, I think that's something slightly different than reconciliation, which I define as, you know, two separated people coming back together as one. So, you know, if, if someone, God forbid, slept with Kim and, and hid it, would I be their best friends within a year? Would I be close to them? Could I trust them? Uh, I, I think my answer is probably not. Um, you know, God can work a miracle and change hearts. So I, as I've been thinking pastorally, like the difference between reconciliation and forgiveness, I think sometimes people sin against us in such a profound way that it's really hard to do life with them again. Um, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to try to get them back. But things might not go back the way they were before. And, you know, I know that's pretty intense, but I think about all the people that I've read about and studied and met who've been abused, right? If, if they think, hey, I'm an unforgiving person unless I go back to my abuser and reconcile. Like, I would never want to lay that burden on their shoulders because sometimes you can forgive, but, but you can't go back and make things like they were before. So I think the distinction is not just technical. I think it's very helpful so Christians don't think they're living in sin. I'm not forgiving. I'm, I can't pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it. Like, I can forgive and still keep my distance sometimes if sin hurts too much. Can I share a 
quick story with you about uh, when this difference between forgiveness and reconciliation was really driven home to me. Yeah, please. You and I have something in common. We both uh, did some doctoral work down at Trinity International University in uh, on the north side of Chicago. I had a class there once uh, that actually one of the days we talked about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, even even read a book, uh, a long book about, about it. Uh, but there was a, a classmate who was from Uganda, and he had lived through, as a, as a young man or a child even, uh, the 70s when Idi Amin, that brutal dictator, uh, was just uh, brutalizing his country. And he said, yeah, we as Christians can forgive him, but it's really hard for us to be reconciled. And so, uh, and the emotion just came out of uh, out of his heart and out of his uh, out of his mouth. Uh, just uh, he had some bad memories there uh, of family members who were killed. And forgiveness, yes, be reconciled, probably not. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think we strive for it, you know, as much as possible. We make every effort to live in unity. But just what you learn about traumatic experiences, PTSD. I think the more we you know, realize how difficult those things are, the less we want to insist, like, you have to be reconciled. You, you have to hang out still, otherwise you're sinning. So your example is, is perfect. Why do you think it's uh, that people struggle uh, to forgive other people? Oh. Um, yeah, why is it so hard for me to forgive others? I, I tried to personalize it. Um, I think be, because those stones, when they come at us, they don't just leave a bruise that leaves, you know, within 72 hours or a week. I think the memories of that hurt, the words that people spoke to us, the things that they did, like we, as you know, we can't just forget. And so that memory is always there to re-tempt us to, to be wounded over and over again and think, this, this person doesn't deserve my love, my prayers, my forgiveness. Um, when I was at my first church, uh, there was a guy who, who he and I got along pretty well. And then uh, my ministry kind of went in a direction that he wasn't a fan of. And he really thought I should be doing B instead of A. And I remember sitting down with him and he said, um, he said, Pastor Mike, when you came to this church, I felt like a kid standing in front of a vending machine. And I saw you there. You were like the perfect pastor for our church. And you know, it was almost like a, a soda bottle. And all, you know, all the ingredients, I was reading through them, your personality, your passions, your gifts. And I was so excited. Like, I, I wanted you to come to our church. So I pushed the button and boom, then you got to the church. And now I have a chance to kind of reach out and get to know you. And like the soda bottle, I pulled it close. But I realized, Pastor Mike, that you are empty. Wow. Yeah, so I was the the empty soda bottle out of the vending machine. So, I mean, I can I can retell you the like some of the verbatim quotes from that conversation because that was a you know I'm a young pastor trying to figure my way out and you know just got smashed with that that opinion and that feedback. So I I think all of us have moments like that. Like we remember what our our sister said. We remember what our dad didn't do or what our dad did do that email that a, a critic sent, our ex, you know, how they tried to play things off and lied and exaggerated in court. So, 
Yeah, I think just the, the nature of sin. It is so, that's why God hates it. It's so bad. It's so damaging. It sticks in our memory that it makes it really hard to forgive. Um, there's a lot of factors, pride and other things, but I, uh, the more I thought about your question, just the nature of sin itself is so deeply damaging that it makes it really difficult to love and to let things go. So would you say that those are the same reasons why people have um, trouble forgiving themselves? Ooh. This answer might be surprising. I, I think when people say, I'll just never forgive myself for what I did, it, it sounds pretty humble. Uh, I actually think it's incredibly arrogant. So, you know, if, if you were that person and I said, Bruce Becker, Jesus Christ thought of you when he went to the cross. He's God. He knew you. He knew about all of it, but he loved you so much. He spread out his arms. He bled, died, and rose from the grave. And now he declares that you are forgiven. And if you said to me, well, yeah, but I, I just can't forgive myself. <laughs> I would say, Bruce, <laughs> who, do, who in the world do you think you are? <laughs> the son of God has declared, he's God. No offense to you. I know you're smart. I know you're a doctor, <laughs> but he's God. So the fact that you think you can outvote God, that he says it, stamps it, seals it, promises it by the blood of Christ, but somehow you're going to say, thanks for your opinion, God, but I just can't forgive myself. Like, I think that's the devil flipping things on us. It feels very humble and, you know, self-abasing, but it's actually the height of arrogance to tell God that we're not as forgiven as he says he is. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of kind of hidden pride in that, uh, in that feeling that many of us feel. I think that's a really good illustration and one that I uh, put in the back of my memory uh, for when somebody says, I can't forgive myself. I'm going to pull that one out. <laughs> Deal. Can you talk a little bit about uh, God's grace when it comes to his forgiveness of me? Yeah. Oh, man. Right now at our uh, church, we're doing a sermon series on, on big words in the Bible. And I just preached on the word grace a couple days ago. So I think of grace as this undeserved love, this gift that, oh, it makes you say, no way. Like, oh, this is too much. So yeah, connecting that concept, grace, to the forgiveness of sins, that you're forgiven, I'm forgiven, who's ever listening right now is forgiven, not because we've been so good, not because we're amazing at forgiveness, but even though we don't deserve it, God still gives it. So, I mean, that, that is just the hope that every single Christian has, that it's not by works. Forgiveness is a gift of God. It's his grace, his mercy, his love, his heart. Um, I was actually thinking back when I was in high school, you know, I was caught up in, in an addiction I've talked about before. And I actually used to have uh, a CD of repentance. Have I told you about this? No, a CD of repentance? Yeah, I was just so habitually used to falling into the same sin and just feeling so terrible and unworthy. Uh, I actually burned a CD of a bunch of these like sad Christian songs. <laughs> and after I would sin, I just click play and just sit there and stare at the ceiling and feel horrible about my, about my struggle, about my weakness. Um, and man, I, I can almost like flash my brain back to where the CD player was, what it looked like, the speakers. And really, it's moments like that when I think the last thing in the world that I deserve is for God to leave my stone alone. You know, I didn't hit him with a pebble. 
I threw a million pebbles at him. And you, you think he's got to be annoyed enough to just pick up a handful and chuck them back. But to your question, if forgiveness is connected to grace, and if grace is undeserved love, then even in that moment when I didn't deserve it, I was forgiven. And that's just the, the amazing hope of the Christian faith. It, it's not about, well, I'm kind of middle of the road. It's, no, I hit the bottom, but God, still in his relentless pursuit of us, he still forgives us. So, yeah, I kind of know what it's like to struggle to forgive yourself and have God have to relentlessly pursue you and say, nope, thanks for your opinion. <laughs> I'm a God of grace and you're forgiven. End of story. Next chapter. <laughs> well, this is going to be a, a great series uh, on forgiveness. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, our listeners can uh, watch or listen to the entire series over the coming weeks by going to our website at uh, timeofgrace.org. In March, we're uh, offering a forgiveness journal. Uh, and this resource is packed with uh, scripture, with readings introspective questions to to show people that when forgiveness seems impossible, with God, all things are possible. And anybody who uh, orders uh, the journal, which is entitled The Impossible Made Possible, will get a stone with the word forgiveness printed on it. Not so you can chuck it at somebody, but so it's a reminder uh, of my need to forgive uh, others and to forgive myself. Our listeners can uh, get a copy of the Forgiveness Journal and Stone by going to our website at uh, timeofgrace.org. Now, I know we're talking about March, but I just want to you know, tip our toes into April. Uh, first Sunday in April is Easter. Woohoo! And this Easter is going to be like any other Easter message that you have ever uh, preached. And can you tell us why? Oh, Bruce, I'm so jacked up about this. So, about a year ago, right when COVID hit, um, just before like the world shut down, the producer from Time of Grace, Nia, her husband and I got to Israel. And because it was pretty vacant with tourists, I still can't believe this happened. We were able to book the Garden Tomb, which is one of the two spots that people speculate Jesus might have risen from the dead. We were able to, to book it pretty much by ourselves for an entire hour to film an Easter message on location in Jerusalem. So, like, we're surrounded by these beautiful trees and plants. There's this 2,000-year-old tomb. Like, we go through the door. We're outside of it. We're inside of it. There's, like, ancient Christian symbols that Christians centuries ago, over a millennium ago, scribbled on the walls. Uh, it, man, I, I just got to see a little bit of the footage the other day, and I shook my head, and I thought, that actually happened. <laughs> that, that was not a dream. We were actually there. So, you know, the, the gospel is always great. You could preach in a country church, a, a mega church, or be in a tomb in Jerusalem. So that's the biggest news. But it's pretty cool to think about what it might have looked like on the very day that Jesus rose from the dead. So I think our viewers all uh, just really enjoy not only the message, but just uh, the backdrop uh, to, the, to the Easter message. So I have two things I'd like to close with uh, today. Um, a number of our listeners and viewers um, always ask about the relationship between time of grace and your church. Could you just explain that relationship, that partnership? I would love to. Actually, can I jump in and ask you a question first before I forget? Sure. Yeah. So uh, you've been doing some brand new podcasting. 
uh, going deep. Uh, I loved your series, The Grand Ands of the Bible. Um, so can you, I heard you're kicking off a new series and I haven't heard the details of it. So I'm not just setting you up for our listeners. I'm <laughs> very curious where your podcast is going to go. So can we get a, a quick preview? Yeah, next week I'll be uh, starting a new series that I call Storylines. And Storylines is about people and places and things that do two things that repeat throughout the Bible. So they occur, you know, multiple times, but they all also have significance and importance. And so we're going to explore those. And now coincidence is the one next week that I'm starting with is gardens in the Bible. And 62 different times garden, the word garden is mentioned, 52 in the old and 10 in the new, but they're not always talking about the same kind of garden. In fact, I was studying this morning on this, and I have five categories that I'm going to talk about in this podcast. And then in future uh, episodes, I'll be talking about things like mountains and, and uh, other, other things in nature, uh, places. So we'll, um, we'll see how it goes. Looking forward to it. Bruce, uh, you, I love how much of a Bible nerd you are. <laughs> it, it makes me so I, I love doing this myself just like finding a word and pulling on that thread and just kind of seeing from cover to cover where it goes and I, I love how your podcast does that cool well I can't wait to, to hear that and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way uh, so you're asking me about the relationship between time of grace and our local church correct right yep yeah yeah that so <laughs> if people call with questions I, I get it it's a little bit complex but here's the the best simple way I can explain it so I pastor and preach at a church in downtown Appleton called The Core. But The Core is connected to another location, which is St. Peter Lutheran Church, which has a school. That's where my wife teaches preschool. It's where my daughters go. Uh, has a, a preschool connected to that. And if you put The Core and St. Peter together, it's what we call 922 Ministries. So 922 is kind of the big umbrella of the church on both campuses, the school and the preschool. So a couple of years ago, Time of Grace, as Pastor Mark Jeske, our uh, founding speaker, uh, was kind of landing the plane of his time with Time of Grace, um, the ministry reached out to me and asked if we would like to partner. And so what kind of happened with 922 and Time of Grace is that we, we tried to connect as many of the people, the efforts, uh, the ministry that we could to reach more people with the message we all care about, uh, the message about Jesus. So... I kind of split my time about half and half between writing and filming for Time of Grace and being a local pastor here in Appleton. Um, you know, the producer from Time of Grace, Nia, she comes down to our church where she films and the work that she does helps our local church do a live stream on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, Eric, a member of our church, he leads the prayer team for Time of Grace. Uh, Nate, a member of our church, is on the board for Time of Grace. Some of the Time of Grace team, you know, you... Mandy, Trish, Clay, uh, Matt, you know, people who aren't part of our local church, they really give good wisdom and insight from media and spreading the gospel. So we, we, we've kind of tried to get, we're, we're not dating anymore is a good way to say it. <laughs> we, we, are, we are in a serious relationship here where, you know, we just want to use all the gifts that we have at 922 to bless Time of Grace. And we know that we've been so blessed by all the gifts at Time of Grace here at 922. So that was a, maybe a long-winded answer, but that's the partnership between the local church and Time of Grace Ministries. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, that uh, was well explained and uh, 
you know, that'll be the answer to, uh, to uh, people's questions when they ask in the future. We'll just direct them to this uh, podcast. So the last thing is what we always end with is, do you have any uh, stories uh, of how God is blessing people through time of grace? I do. Oh, Bruce. I, uh, our podcast listeners wouldn't mind an extra 90 minutes while they're driving in the car or holding laundry, <laughs> would they? <laughs> okay. I'll rest- I actually opened my email file. I try to keep all the stories that I get. And uh, man, it is so humbling and so stunning. It's like every day. There's something that's so good and moves me so much, I, I save it in my file. So uh, I'll, I'll narrow it down to one. Yesterday, uh, we got an email at Time of Grace from a guy named Richard. He leads a recovery ministry for addicts in the city of Denver. And he says he works with a lot of people who are struggling, works with a lot of Christians and a lot of non-Christians. Uh, the homeless community is a big part of what he does. And he was just saying for the past year with COVID, like it, it's just been a really rough um, especially being in a big city, you can imagine a lot of churches are closed, a lot of gatherings of like recovery groups. You know, you, you picture 15 people sitting in a church basement and that's gotten complicated for a lot of ministries. And so he, he was just saying how much a lot of addicts in his community are really struggling to stay sober, to stay connected to God. And uh, he was saying how, how much hope and encouragement and strength that Time of Grace had been to him. Um, he said he shares a lot of stuff. His quote, I wrote this down, you'd be amazed at how many people, how many homeless people, how many unbelieving people I send to Time of Grace for hope. So that made me like, yeah, come on. Yeah. God's reaching people in the city that I've only been to once in my life. But I think what made me even more encouraged was how encouraged he was as a ministry leader. So, you know, for us to get a touch or someone sees us on TV, that's amazing and I love that. But to know that our ministry is empowering a guy who's like got boots on the ground and he's face to face with these people who really need hope and forgiveness and grace from God. I, I think actually that's the bigger win for me, knowing that we're equipping people to reach more people so that the name of Jesus can be lifted up. And only Jesus knows all the people that are being touched and reached and given that, uh, given that hope, not only in our country, but even around, around the world. That is. I I hadn't heard about that one yet, so thanks for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. Very cool. All right, can I land the plane for us, Bruce? Absolutely. All right, everyone, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Uh, We hope God used some little seed from today's conversation on forgiveness or um, the history behind Easter or ministry partnerships or how God loves addicts and people who struggle. Hope something in there was a blessing for you. Um, You probably know, just like Richard from Denver, uh, people in your life that maybe I haven't met yet that could use a message on forgiveness. So if you want to take a simple next step, it'll take you 30 seconds. Uh, If you could just like this podcast, rate this podcast, review this podcast, share this podcast. I had a chance to do that about a month ago. It is so easy, surprisingly easy. So (laughs) if you could take that next step, man, we really love more people to hear about Jesus. And as we've been talking about all day here, uh, we hope you can tune in. The first Sunday in March is week one of our brand new series on forgiveness. I know that made a huge impact here at our local church and we hope it's a huge blessing for your faith too. So thanks for your time. Bruce and I pray that you have an amazing day and may God bless you.